Well, let's go ahead and kick it off. Cool. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Are you searching for a new job? That can be stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through the interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary, offer, or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. And on Hired, you receive personal interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about what opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. And we help you find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Open to relocation? Let them know. Your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance. And if you go check them out at the show's link, that's hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber, you can get double the hiring bonus that they offer. That's $600 instead of $300. So go check them out at hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another JavaScript Jabber show. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. AJ O'Neill. Hello, hello. Coming at you live from Provo, Utah. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Just want to do a really quick shout out about Angular Remote Comp coming on up. We also have a special guest this week, and that's John Sanmez. Hey, what's up? Uh, John, do you want to remind everybody who you are? I don't think you've been on for a year or two. Sure, sure. I am I am the guy that teaches software developers how to be cool. <laughs> so uh <laughs> still learning. I, I, yeah, you know, I, I'm still learning myself, but uh you know, you 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 only have to be one step ahead, right? So um, so yeah, so I, I teach, I have a, a site called Simple Programmer, a company called Simple Programmer, and really, you know, it's focused around personal development for software developers. So, you know, I joke about making software developers cool, but it's really just about improving your life as a software developer, the non-technical stuff. So that can encompass everything from career development and, and how to advance your career to how to get motivation and become more productive, even to like fitness, how to get six pack abs and, and finance and, and social interactions, all, all those kind of things that sometimes software developers that are focused on the technical aspects of their lives lack. So that's, uh, you know, there's really no, I didn't find anyone out there doing that kind of stuff. And it's something that really interests me. And I feel like I have a, a passion for it. So uh, I started doing it. And yeah, that's basically what I do. Cool. Well, we brought you on today because you wrote a book called The Complete, Total, and Utter Guide to Having a Very Awesome Career in Programming, also known as The Complete Software Developer's Career Guide, if I got that right. That's correct. Yes. So I, I, I have to push this button, right? The Complete Guide, like everything you need to know period, the end? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, about as complete as, as I could, as I could make it from a, from a soft skills approach, right? So non, not technical. The book is not technical at all. So there will be an audio version, but it, it is pretty much an A to Z as, I mean, I, when I came up with this book, I literally brainstormed and said, what is every single topic that I can think of that a software developer, that someone getting into this field or in this field needs to know about as far as a non-technical skill. And that's where the, where the chapter list came from. And, and the book is, I mean, right now it's running about 700 pages. So it, it is, it's pretty big. Did it start off that big? Is it that big, your first draft? No, you know, the, the, well, the, the goal was around 200,000 words is what I, well, that's what I estimated just based on the chapters. But as I was going through the, the editing, the revision process and, and getting feedback from some of the reviewers and, and just some of the editors, a lot of questions came up. And so I started implementing these little, little, uh, little side sections in the book called, Hey John, 
And so it'd be like, hey, John, and then and then the question. And so that added, you know, maybe about 150 pages. <laughs> but uh, but it was good because those were the things that were missing. I, I think that so. So now I, I really am, am getting pretty confident in, in that it's in calling it complete. <laughs> yeah. When I opened it on my computer, my desk tipped over. <laughs> the PDF was just way too heavy. But yeah, I kind of skimmed through parts of it. And I kind of want to start out by starting with the beginning of the book. It seems pretty beginner friendly or beginner focused, at least at the start of the book. I mean, is there stuff later on that I missed that maybe is a little bit more interesting to more advanced developers? Or is this really focused at people who are getting started? Yeah, good question. So it's really my my idea behind it was that it it should be valuable for for the three categories that I define for for software developers, which is beginner, never never programmed before, or just started, the intermediate developer, you know, where I think most developers would fall into, and then the the more senior developer looking to advance their career. So the book really is is bro- it's broken up into five sections, and the idea is that each section or those sections progressively apply more to to where you are in your career. The the idea would be that you could utilize this book at different points in your career. And there's probably some things that that even like an intermediate or advanced developer might glean from some of the earlier chapters. So the the first section of the book is is focused on how to get started as a software developer. But like I said, there's some knowledge in there about how to gain technical skills faster, how to learn programming languages. So that would probably apply to anyone, but but especially to a beginner. And then the next section is on how to get a job, which of course would apply to a beginner or someone who's not a beginner, who's trying to get a new job or wants to negotiate their salary and understand the differences between contracting and, and salaried employment and, and all the kind of things that, that go along with, with getting a job. And then the third section goes through all the all the skills, technical skills that you would need to know to be so everything you need to know about being a software developer. So again, this could be something that a beginner or intermediate developer would certainly need to know, but an advanced developer might also have some gaps in their knowledge. And this is a good sort of reference or refresher. And then section four is is how to work as a software developer. So this should apply to everyone. Things like how to get along with your boss, how to deal with like a micromanaging boss, how to get along with your coworkers, how to get a raise and promotion and and those type of things, how to dress even. And then the fifth section is really that that section is more geared towards the intermediate and senior. It's how to advance in your career. So it's all the things that come afterwards, like, you know, should you create a blog, a podcast? How do you market yourself as a software developer? How do you get out there? And if you want to start speaking and how do you really advance your career beyond the the, the normal level that you, that you might reach or, or where you're or you might be stuck? So that's <laughs> it's a lot. But that that was kind of the goal was to make sure that it, it does cover all the, all the wherever you're at in your career. The, the idea is that there'll be something for you in the book. So is it more of a reference book then? It's not really intended for people to read front to back? You know, I think you could do it either way. I, I really, with my first book with soft skills, I found that a lot of people really liked the idea that it was broken in, into small chapters so that they could pick and choose what they wanted. A lot of people gave me that feedback and said, oh, I like this because I could go through and I could say, oh, this applies to me right now and I want to pick that up. So I, I took that same same thinking when designing this book. So it's 60 chapters, right? But each chapter is, is fairly small and they could be read independently. So you could, I think most people will probably go through the book start to finish, but you could also just pick the, the pieces that, that you're interested in and, and each chapter would make sense by itself. Where was the inspiration for this? Was this like from the beginning, you knew that you wanted to put this book together when, or... Where did you come up with the idea for this? Yeah, so it was actually a combination of a couple of things. Like w- one of the things was that I had this I had this idea in my head. Whenever I do something, I, I like to do what is called what's called multi-purposing. And, and I actually have a section in the book about this. But essentially, if I want to do something, I want it to have multiple outcomes rather than just one outcome. So I was thinking, I was like, man, I should really I should really start writing a new book because I haven't gone through that torture in a while. 
And I was also thinking, I really need to get some blog posts for the for the blog, and I need a new product. And so I was thinking, okay, well, what if I wrote a book that I could release the chapters as blog posts on my blog, and and it would make sense, and it could be a product later on. And so that's really where the the initial idea came from. And then at the same time, I was wrestling with with a couple ideas. One of them was that I really felt like from my first book, from soft skills, a lot of people were emailing and saying, man, that career section, the very first section of your book that talked about career, I need more of that. Like, tell me how to like, give me a full career guide on, on being a software developer. So I was getting a lot of feedback on that. And then also just as I've been moving into this, this space of, of personal development for software developers, and I've been out of the industry for, for a while now, I haven't been writing code or working for, for someone I've, I don't want to lose all of the, I wanted to capture everything that I learned from working in the industry as a software developer and get that on the paper before I lost that because I didn't want, you know, 15 years of, of work experience and, and all these, these things that I had, had gleaned from that to, to go to waste. So all of those things sort of combined together. And I said, okay, you know, there's never really been a book that's really been a complete guide for, for software developers for their career. There's a ton of stuff. I get questions every day on my YouTube channel and from email from developers. It's like, can I, can I take all this stuff, combine it together, take all my information that I've got from my experience and put it all into just one big book and then also you know, multi-purpose it by having blog posts and, and having other content created from it. And so that's where the, the idea birthed from. And, and I also felt like I just didn't have enough pain in my life because you know, <laughs> writing a book is, is definitely pain. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wondering, awesome. as you got the feedback on soft skills, I mean, what did people feel like they were missing that you made sure went into this book? Well, you know, I would say that it was just like all the questions that that would come up from from career advice because that in soft skills there was a section dedicated to career stuff but there was also you know just so many questions about well, how how do I learn a programming language and, and what programming language should I learn and you know I've got problems with my coworkers and my boss he's a he's a micromanager or my boss is a browbeater or my coworker doesn't work or I don't know what kind of dress code to wear I'm on the west coast you know should I should I wear flip flops just because I'm allowed to right there's just so many questions that came up either from the book or or from YouTube. Uh, and and I wanted to address like all of those those things. So it was it was a pretty large number uh, of things. It, it's almost like you know it's, it's like opening up a can of worms, right? That, that I felt like the career section and soft skills, it, it was great. It, it gave a lot of advice to people, but at the same time, it opened this whole can of worms because it was like now there's more questions. I'd I'd really and, like to give people kind of a taste for what's in the book. What what do you think is the most practical advice that you give for somebody who's new, for example? Like, and, and not just, oh, well, it's this section, but in detail, like, you know, make sure you're doing these things and make sure you're not doing those things. Or, you know, what, what do you think is the biggest payoff in there for somebody who's just getting started? So I would say for someone who's just getting started, gosh, that's hard. There's, there's a lot of different pieces there, but I would say the most important thing would be to come up with a plan, with a real learning plan on how you're actually going to pursue your your education in software development and what you're going to pursue. I, the the biggest thing that I get from a lot of beginners that that message me or you know, send me email from YouTube videos and mostly on YouTube, I think there's there's more beginners than than, than anything else, is that they're they're trying to learn all this stuff, right? And they're like they're overwhelmed because they're like, well, what do I learn? And you know, I'm learning Python. And I'm learning Java and I'm lear learning JavaScript and, oh, I need to do some machine learning. And, oh, I heard big data was something to learn. So I'm learning that and I'm taking all these Pluralsight courses and they tell me all this stuff. And I say, wait a minute, stop, 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 focus. Okay, what kind of developer do you want to be? Right. And, and again, in the book, I, I give descriptions of the different things. So a beginner doesn't have to know this. They can they can look that up. But but I, I encourage them to say, okay, look at look at and and say what kind of developer do you want to be? Do you want to work on the front end, on the back end? You know, and even if you can pick a technology, right? You don't have to stay with it for the rest of your career, but let's pick something. Let's say, okay, I'm going to be an Angular JS or an Angular developer, right? And I'm going to work on this stack, right? What 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 Angular stack are you are you going to use, right? Like 
pick it all out, define exactly what kind of, and, and you can go and you can look at job listings to, to figure this out if you want, right? You could go to whatever your favorite job search site is, and you can you could find a job listing, and you can say, okay, I want to basically be able to get a job like this, and here's what the requirements for the job are, here's what the technology is, and then now from that, go backwards and figure out what do you need to learn and come up with an actual plan for doing that? Now, it might be going to college. It might be going to, you know, self-study. It might be a boot camp. It might be a combination of the of the things. But if you have it focused and you're, and you're saying exactly, okay, I need to learn this and this is a technology I need to learn and and this is the timeline for it. If you set that plan out and you and you take the time to think about that before you just start reading a bunch of books and before you just start watching a bunch of tutorials man you're going to be able to learn so much faster and you're going to be able to become a, a valuable asset for a team and actually get a job so much faster than someone who's just like all over the place trying to grasp all this knowledge because it's just impossible today to be a software developer who knows everything you you can't you know maybe in the 80s or 70s you could you could <laughs> hope to do that but today you've got to have a focus and and you have to have a plan to learn otherwise you could, i mean you could spend 20 years of your life learning every day of different things in software development and and never feel like you're done Dang it, John. Now I have to have that all edited out because that's the premise of how I tell people to stay current in my uh, how to get a job course. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, great, great minds think alike. But but you know what? But but that I mean, that I think that's great because that that double confirms. Right. If, If I'm saying that from from my years of experience and you're saying that and that's the best advice that we've got, then then hopefully, you know, the, these young people out there that are, are, are people that are trying to get into the field will really take that to heart. Because, I mean, that's ultimately what, what I want to make sure is that, like, don't waste your time. Yeah, absolutely true. So is your book done? Is it is a book ever done in, in the in, in this day and age? It's it's self-published. So so it could be perpetually undone. It's <laughs> it's written. <laughs> I finished writing it in December. I was writing it. It took me six months. I wrote an hour a day. I don't think I missed a day. Pretty much, maybe I missed one day in for for six months, and then it was done. And then it went through an editing or revision process, and that's what I'm working on now. So it, the the second done is coming real soon. Like by the end of this week, I'll be it'll be done again. And then you know. It'll probably always have revisions and modifications, but it'll be shippable done as far as I'm concerned in about a week or two. All right. I'm going to time shift here for a minute. Um, When this comes out, when he's saying at the end of this week, what he means is about a month ago. Right. Yes. So so go buy it. That was quite the time shift. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's available now. You can buy it. (laughs) How long have you been working on it then? So, so I started, I think I first opened the Google doc in July of, of last year of 2006 or June of 2016. And that, yeah. And then it was based in my plan was from the very beginning. I just had one hour a day, first thing in the morning, every day, write the book. And that, that lasted until the end of the year, pretty much six months. And now the the last six months have been all about getting all, I mean, there's so many details, right? When you self-publish, there's so much time was spent on, on getting the cover designed and figuring out all of the, the distribution and the marketing for the book and and all of those things and, and the editing and revising of it. So it's, yeah, it's it's coming on a year, about a year, really. It's hmm. a long time. Yes, that's, that's why I said it's a painful experience, but... <laughs> And how happy are you with it so far? Oh, I'm I'm thrilled. I I really feel like you know because I've had to read through it a, a, probably the this is the third or fourth time, and every time I feel like it, it's getting better. And you know I I find that I I, I mean I, I I do tend to to like my own stuff, but uh, I, <laughs> I I I find find the humor that I put in the book makes me laugh. So that's uh, that's a good sign for. <laughs> For me, no. I mean, I'm I'm just playing around, but but yeah, no. I I think it's I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I'm 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 usually thrilled with with the stuff that I produce. Although you know, I always tell people like, if I if you're not thrilled with what you produce, then then why are you doing it? Like, you should be happy with with the stuff that you make. Otherwise, you shouldn't be making it. Right. 
So one of the things that I get asked a lot, and I saw that you have a chapter on that, and that is what skills do you actually need to have as a developer? So how do you answer that? I mean, you, you had some classes of tools that people need to know, but, you know, as things change, is there a way to just know that? So, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. That's where the whole section three of the book was really de is dedicated to to all of those things. And I think a lot of them don't change because they're 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 mostly timeless. Right. So it's it's mm -hmm. things like, you know, you got to have at least one programming language that, you know, you've got to have understanding of source control uh, of of testing basics of testing right you've got continuous integration and build systems you've got you know the, the basic ideas of what kinds of development you know web development mobile development back end development you've got things like databases right you need to know at least a little bit of sql and at least understand database theory there's uh so i would i would classify it as is all of those things there's actually when you go and you sit down and make the list it, it's quite a bit right i, I think that I, I didn't really realize until i started making the chapters for that section of the book i was like wow okay there's here's all the things that you really have to know at least something about you don't have to be an expert in any of these things but you know, you got to know about defects and bug tracking and you got to know about debugging and you got to know about all these things. And there's there's a pretty big list of, of things that you need to at least have some idea about to, to really function as a software developer. And, and I didn't find anywhere that had those listed. So that's why I put that section of the book together as I wanted it to be. I, I felt like I, I remembered my frustration being a beginner and thinking, what do I need to know? <laughs> and and no one could really give me a, a really solid answer to that question. So I, I wanted to make sure that I put together that entire list, which, like I said, it, it is pretty long. Were any of those surprises to you as you put this together? I, I don't think there was anything really that really stuck out as a, as a big surprise, I'd say. I mean, there were some things that, well, if, if anything, I would say that DevOps was probably the closest to that because I didn't really even think about that too much until I was really sat down and said, oh, wait a minute, you know, today's software developers really need to understand DevOps, uh, where it wasn't something that I needed to know when I first started as a software developer because we had the infrastructure guys, right? And, and we had the QA team and, you know, us developers, we wrote the code and then we, we checked it in and then it got deployed <laughs> It went out to production, right? It, and, and we didn't, weren't involved in that. But now, nowadays, a software developer really needs to understand that whole, that whole back end, what happens after you, you know, how, how does the code get to production and, you know, in that the whole build process and, and all of those steps in between, because they're going to be involved in those steps. So what do you think is the importance of learning build tools and frameworks, et cetera, versus learning the basics? Well, I'd say that, that the, the build tools and frameworks, it's, it's more of it's more of something that you need to understand because you need to understand how your piece fits into it rather than having an in-depth knowledge of those things right the basics you should have an in-depth knowledge of as as a developer right your your domain you should understand the programming language you're working with you should understand the 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 principles, the, the timeless things, the logic structures and how to create algorithms and all of the the more computer science-y type of things, because those things are not going to change. They're not fads, right? They're they're gonna be there all the time, no matter what no matter what you're doing, if you're a programmer, you know, the essentially the way that we solve problems at that at the basic level using a programming language really hasn't hasn't changed all that much it's it's still the same we still have the same constructs of of conditional statements and loops and and all that right and, and it doesn't even matter what programming language you're using it, aside from you know the, the differences between functional languages and and, and not but uh, but but the other things i think it's just important to understand what's out there so that you know to have enough knowledge cuz you know if you you i want to i want to teach people to to have as few unknown unknowns as possible so if you understand a little bit about 
databases and you understand a little bit about the build system and how continuous integration works and at least a little bit about the frameworks that are out there or you know whatever framework you're specializing at the time then you're going to you're going to see where your piece fits in and and you won't be uh, you know you you won't be lost with all the all the stuff there but but I I do think that focusing on the the more principle the more timeless things the basics as you said is is much more important so what do you think about the virtues of self-taught versus boot camp versus university? Yeah, so that's that's one thing. That's one of the first things I hit up in, in the book because I think that's one of the first questions that developers have. And I've I've changed my views on it, it uh, several times. But really what I think today is if you can find a good coding boot camp, I think that's the best way because I was thinking about it's like, you know, the best way that I can answer that question is, you know, it, what would I do today? If I were trying to learn programming, if I wanted to get a job, what would I do? And my answer would be that I would, because I think you can, you can do self-taught, but I feel like the, the only problem with self-taught is that you've got a lot of responsibility to figure out what you need to learn. Whereas if you can work in a boot camp and you can just, you know, immersion, immersion, total immersion is going to be extremely valuable. So I would probably spend a little bit more money, even though you could self-teach for for super cheap. Find a really good boot camp and and and, and go full immersion mode into it. Just you know, every day, you know, stay you know, ten, twelve hours, whatever, working after, and just spend that period of time. Whether it be, I think most boot camps are running around three months or so. Some of them are, are shorter, but to me, that seems like the the smartest way to go. Today, as long as you're willing to do the work, you know, the total immersion, you're willing to work as hard as possible and, and realize that this is going to be like training for a marathon. It's going to be hard stuff. And and then I would say to go back and fill in your knowledge, your computer science knowledge, either with maybe going to college and, and getting some part time classes where you're going to learn more of the computer science algorithm type of stuff that. Uh, that's that's still going to be valuable to you, but just is not something that you need to immediately know to get started in the industry or go back and learn that stuff yourself. Because I think one of the one of the arguments I always get from from kind of what I'll call the old guard developers is they say, oh, these these boot camps, these newfangled boot camps. Well, it's you know, it's there's no shortcut and you can't you can't replace 10 years of experience and you can't compress uh, you know, all this learning into like three months time, you're going to turn. No, you certainly can't. <laughs> and, and you can't. You're absolutely right. So but what you can do is you can get someone up to speed where they can actually be effective at a, a very specific task and, and actually be able to do something in about three months. But then they need to go back and still gain the rest of the knowledge that they're missing. So I think boot camp is a way to accelerate it so that you can get in the industry and get working really fast and, and start getting that that feedback loop of actually working in the industry. But it's still up to you to, to fill in all the rest of those those knowledge gaps. So that's that's where I've. I'm landing right now as far as the education. And you do feel like the classic computer science stuff is important. You know, it's it, you, I, what, what I would say about that is you don't recognize the importance of it until you know it. Right. So I, and I didn't recognize this, right. Because I was mostly self-taught. I went to school for, for a while and then, but I, I never really, you know, I only went for, for a year at first when I first started my career. And then, I started doing programming problems on TopCoder, and I had to learn algorithms and data structures. <laughs> Before, you know, I was getting by just hacking my way. You know, I, I knew some C++. I knew how to, you know, get stuff done. I understood the programming language, but I didn't really understand the computer science part of it. But when I wanted to compete on this TopCoder site, which was basically this algorithm competition site, I needed to go back and research and, and learn that stuff. And, and uh, lo and behold, <laughs> all that, all those data structures and those algorithms, all of a sudden at my regular job, I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. I recognize this problem. This is a min-max problem. And, you know, and, and you don't, you don't recognize that. It, sure, there's other ways to solve it. You don't need to have that background in computer science. But, you know, but, if you if you do have that background and you've got all these tools in your tool belt, then all of a sudden you you can you can see the world a little differently. And when you're doing your regular day job, you're like, oh wait a minute, 
I could I I know an algorithm to solve that problem, and you can save yourself you know sometimes two weeks worth of work because <laughs> you can get it done in three hours. So there's there's a huge value in it that you can't know until you you know it. If that makes sense. Well, I I personally am a believer that algorithms and computer science is important. At least the first couple of classes. I mean, after that, you start to get into the you branch off into AI or games or whatever. But those those first couple of classes of basic data structures, programming types, I wish that that that's the failure I see in the boot camps is people leave not knowing programming. Right. They know how to change the oil in the car. They don't know how the car works at all or what the oil does. Right. Right. And 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 my and the thing that I found is that. It's better to like to use your analogy. I think the old way of doing things was to was to start off and say, okay, oh, you want to be you want to you know be a programmer. Well, here here's a diagram of a car. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna build a car from the ground up. Like we're gonna go through all the and then and then now you can drive it right. And and I think the the approach that that I like with the boot camp is to say, okay. Well, it's maybe a little bit more effective if before we even go into the internals and look at the engine and, and, and how all this works, let's have you drive it and let's have you change the oil. Okay, so now, I, I that, now that you've done that, yeah, then you go back and you learn all this stuff and you're like, oh, now this stuff makes sense. Oh, this is interesting, right? It, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when, when I went to history class in school, I didn't learn anything from it. I don't remember anything from history class. But when I started traveling the world, you bet I started learning history because now that's interesting to me because now I have something to relate to. And it's the same thing I think with computer science is it's like, cause I talked to so many developers that they're like, I don't remember anything from my computer science like degree in, in school. And it's because you weren't actually programming, right? If you've programmed first and you've hit the problems and you've, you've had the, the struggles, you've driven the car, you've changed the oil. Now you're interested. Now you're like, Oh, Oh, I see. That's, that's interesting how that, how that works. And, and now that, that uh, it it sticks more because now it, anytime that I find that if you're answering a question that you have, that knowledge sticks as opposed to if you just get knowledge, you don't know whether it's important or not. So one thing I'm going to ask about this then is a lot of people get into web development and they learn something like React or Angular or whatever and they become an Angular developer or a React developer, and they never really do learn the fundamentals of JavaScript. Is that a big mistake? This episode is sponsored by Angular Dev Summit, coming September 11th through the 18th, 2017. Hi, it's Chuck from devchat.tv. I reached out to some of my friends in the Angular community to put on a completely free, no travel conference for Ruby developers. We have speakers like Rob Wormald, Jeff Welpley and others coming to speak about all kinds of topics in Angular. So if you're trying to learn Angular or you're trying to level up Angular, come check it out. The talks are happening throughout the day each day and we'll have a chat available during each session. Attending the talks is free, but you need to register. Go to angulardevsummit.com. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's a big mistake in, in no, no matter what endeavor you're pursuing to have a surface level knowledge, just a functional knowledge of a thing and never go back. Uh, in depth and understand it. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Just I, I just did my first my first marathon uh, two days ago, and I've been running for a while, right? And, and and there's a lot of technicalities of running, right? Like heart rate and VO2 max and all of all of this this stuff. And you know, as a beginner runner, you probably shouldn't get concerned with like. Do all that stuff, right? Getting too concerned about heart rate training and doing intervals and like all all these kind of you know the technicalities that that you could there's there's a ton of stuff, right? That that you can you can talk about as far as runner. But if you want to improve as a runner and and really actually start to get good, you got to go back and you got to figure out that stuff. You can't just you can ignore it at first because it's it's too overwhelming maybe and and it, it's not going to serve you as well. But but at some point if you don't go back you're going to be stunted in your growth. Like you're not going to be, you're like, well, why can't I overcome this barrier? Well, it's because you're not, you don't understand the technicalities of it. And so I think it's the same thing, right? I mean, you could be a good React developer and you could learn enough to be able to, to get by and to, to build features and whatnot. But if you don't go back and understand the, the in-depth, have an in-depth understanding of JavaScript, which is underlying that, that framework, then you're going to, you're going to be solving things the wrong way. You're going to have 
you're not going to have enough tools in your toolbox. And you're, you know, the, the analogy of, of everything, you know, if you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You're, you're going to be using whatever tool you have. If you've only got that hammer, you're going to be smacking everything. Whereas if you have go back and you have that in-depth knowledge, then you're going to have a lot more tools. But, but again, you know, to, to go back to that car analogy, it doesn't, it, the, the right approach, I, I still think is, is to, is, is function first is, is action is, is, can you actually apply the knowledge first? So I, I think it is smart to be the react developer first and then go back and get an in-depth knowledge of JavaScript simply because you'll appreciate what you're learning about the internals of the, of the framework or of the language and how it works. And it'll, it'll click for you more. In, in you, because you'll have a working knowledge uh, as opposed to going the other way where you're constructing it from the ground up and, and, and you don't know which, which pieces that you're learning are important and they don't have enough personal significance to you for them to stick. So I definitely agree with that as far as JavaScript goes, right? Like the more I've learned JavaScript, the more it has affected me and helped me out when doing even Angular, for example. But... I think one thing that I haven't found to be very true is the benefit when I'm uh, of classic data structures and algorithms. I had a similar experience where I was forced to learn it for, you know, some random purpose. And then all of a sudden I knew it when before I worked this job and I'd worked with people who knew data structures and algorithms and, and I didn't. And so I spent hundreds of hours studying data structures and algorithms. And when it was all done, I still never used it. I went back to it and I, I programmed for years. And I mean, I picked up some basic data structures and algorithms here and there, but I rarely, rarely used the concepts. So, Joe, are you mostly on like front end business logic? Mm, no, I do plenty of back end stuff too. And I, I've done it before. I mean, I did it, I was full stack when I first started from 96 until, I don't know, 09. It was probably when I went truly front end. So what is it that's solving those problems for you then? Well, I just don't feel like I ever really needed to understand the basic like data structures and algorithms when, you know, just a, a surface level knowledge of how arrays and objects and hashes worked. I was... 90% as effective as, or 95% as effective of a developer when I understood almost nothing about that as I was once I really understood it. I mean, the number Sorry. of times that I've really needed to like optimize an algorithm for speed has been so, so, so few. And the times when I do have a speed problem, it's not about uh, some data structures and algorithms problem. It's like you're configuring this wrong or you're doing something, you know, about your framework, you're using your framework wrong, or you haven't compressed, you know, you haven't enabled compression here, or you're not bundling, right? Those are the types of speed, the speed problems that I see being people encountering and, and solving are the types of things that any, somebody without much of data structures and algorithms, I, I mean, when I say much, I mean, I'm at, the, at the most, a single college level class, right? Like, I've never needed to know and learn what a linked list is. I've seen it once or twice, I think, in Angular source code. Been like, hey, that's a, there's a link, they use a linked list in here. But I've never needed it or used it. I've never implemented one on my own that I've needed to. So I think part of it may also be the, the, the level of familiarity and, and application that, that, you've, that you've had with it. So I could, I could relate in, in saying that, you know, I talked about how it, I did the top coder. Well, when... I had known about you know some of the data structures, right? I, I mean, it wasn't like I didn't know what a linked list was. I had taken you know my Java 101 class even even in college, and I and I knew about uh, you know bubble sort and the uh, some of the, the merge sort and all all of that, but I hadn't really utilized like hash, like I like I knew of it, but I hadn't I hadn't used it enough because I hadn't used it to solve problems, and so to to some degree. I, I guess I would say that that the part of maybe what what makes the difference is if you're actually applying it and using it versus learning it. So, and if you've actually had a need to to use it, and and so w once I started doing those those top cutter problems and I was really like solving all these these problems with it, I then then it became more apparent to me. Then it, it almost like there's almost some level I, I feel like of 
of mastery you have to achieve before you start to see things in, in the way that, that you could solve it. Another example would be design patterns, right? So design patterns is, is a very similar thing in that I, I've, you know, one of the first things I learned about about software development was design patterns. I read, you know, the Gang of Four book and I and I read it again. And I never saw design patterns and I never saw them useful. But then I went through, I remember one time because I was teaching some courses on it for Plural and I said, okay, I really, really want to learn design patterns, not just like I've read them and and sort of implemented them and played them or played around with them. But I I went back and I said, okay, I'm gonna actually just start using the design patterns, implementing, you know, as many uh, versions of it as I can think of to actually solve problems. And I spent a long time really going in depth on design patterns. And then all of a sudden I started seeing them everywhere. Whereas before I was like, oh, I, I just don't see any places where you'd ever apply this. It doesn't make any sense to me, but it, it took like, there was a certain level, a certain, you know, where it clicked. And then it was like, Oh, okay. Now I'm seeing it everywhere. And I'm seeing places where I could, I could use these design. I'm recognizing the pattern. So I think maybe there's, there's a certain, you know, and I don't know where that level is, but where where that pattern recognition starts to become available to your brain, and if you, you know, if you don't reach that level, it doesn't, it, you don't see it, and and if you if you if you do, it does. But it, it also may be, you know, context. I, I definitely could see that depending on where you're working in the field and what type of problems you're working on, whether it be more applicable or or less. But but I do think there's there's something something to it of, of hitting enough of a level to, to be able to see those patterns. I think one other thing too is just that um, a, a lot of times, I mean, a lot of the things that I learned, I learned on the job and I don't know if there's a name for some of the patterns that I use and I don't know if I could even articulate what they are, but I just have this instinctive way of writing code that feels right to me. And a lot of times, you know, I'll, I'll encounter something and it turns out, oh, I've been using the blah, blah, blah design pattern the whole time, and I just didn't ever realize it. One good example, too, is that I thought was interesting is there's a real popular book now I was just listening to. It's called Algorithms to Live By. I don't know if you guys have seen that book, <laughs> but I highly recommend it. It's a really good book. It's, it is basically, I'm listening to the audio version of it, or I just finished it, and he was talking about all these computer science algorithms and how you could actually use them in your real life. So, you know, one of them was this, uh, so, so you've, you've probably been in this familiar problem of it, it, it shows itself in a lot of different ways, but figuring out when you should park your car, like what, what, how, how do you know if you're close enough or if there's going to be a closer spot or like, what is the best apartment that you should get if you've, if you've gone out and you've looked at different apartments or what is the best spouse, the best mate that you could write after you've dated, you know, when do you like say, okay, this person's good enough or, you know, this parking spot's good enough or this apartment's good enough. And, and the answer that, that they found algorithmically to solve the, this, this computer science problem called the secretary problem is actually 37%. So when you've sampled 37% of what you're, you're like, you're what's available to you, uh, anything that's better than, than what you've seen so far after you've hit that 37% mark is going to be the best possible choice that you can make algorithmically. And so I thought that was interesting. Just, you know, the whole book is really taking computer science and applying it to, to life. And there's a lot of algorithms, a lot of interesting things in computer science that actually apply not just to your working coding uh, day, but to your life in general that really actually makes sense. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So I'm a single guy. How do I know when I've hit 37% of my available options? So, <laughs> so according to the book, I think he had an example of, of a guy that was like, he said, well, since he was 25 and he figures that his, his span of dating could be like till 45, like if that, if that's his range, then his age at, he should date and and make a selection after 32 any any uh, he should not commit to to marriage until the age of 32 i can't remember the exact numbers but but he's got it in the book but and then at, at 32 if the the person that you're dating is better than anyone else that you've encountered so far then marry them that was his his, uh, his thing there <laughs> 
I was going to warn you, AJ. Know, uh, John will give you advice on girls. That totally sounds to me like that episode of Big Bang Theory when Sheldon decided to use dice to make all his decisions for him. So, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been. Mm, I've, mm. Anyway, you should, you should check out. You should check out my YouTube channel, though. <laughs> okay, I will. I, I will. It, send me a link to something interesting about in that category. I've, okay. I've uh, kind of come to the conclusion that at least half of that 37% has, has to be you reaching your optimal you. Yes. I, like, the, the, more, the more I've dated, the more I... Mm, eh, mm. Oh, I, I with, think that's so comments. wrong. Have you seen the people that are married? None of them have reached the optimal end, <laughs> or very few of them. <laughs> well, okay, so so since we're off the off the beaten path anyway, I've surveyed all of my friends and find out that some of them find someone and they're like, I kind of like this girl. She seems nice. I'm going to marry her. I want to have a family. Some of them are like, well, I was searching and I found the perfect woman and it was love at first sight and I married her. And then some of them are like, I was searching, I found the perfect woman, and that turned out terribly, and I met my wife, and now we're happy. So there's not, it, like, it works out differently for everyone. There's no, there's no, like, the way that I will arrive at my conclusions is because of my engineering brain and the way that my emotions work, and it's going to be completely different from someone else, and they're valid paths, but there's not a single path to truth. Well, let me uh, bring this back around to our topic here. I get to be Segway guy right now. Um, yeah, sorry about that. You cut no, out of the show. No, it's fine. Uh, but it's it's interesting because all of our careers are that way too, right? And uh, I thought it was interesting, you know, you mentioned becoming the right person. And again, it's, you know, we, we all kind of have this unicorn idea sometimes of what our career could be or that we would like it to be. And, you know, it, it as we go on, we figure out, you know what, that's not necessarily where I want to wind up or where I will wind up. And that's fine. And, and I think, you know, having a, a book like this that kind of gives people general advice and says, look, I've been in this industry for a long time. I've suffered through a lot of the things that you're going to wind up suffering through. And let me make this easy on you. Here's how you deal with some of this stuff. I mean, I, that, that's the value I see here. And so these conversations about, you know, dating or marriage or life, I mean, it's conversations about life. And if you're going to excise the career part of your life off and make it something else, you're not going to be happy. And so it's all the same conversation. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I actually put a, a section, a chapter in the book called Work-Life Balance, the myth of work-life balance. And it, and it talks about pretty much what you what you said, which is essentially, you know, it, it's kind of sad to, to, to have maybe six hours a day that you actually live your life during a weekday because the rest of it's sleeping or working. And that's when you're not living right. And, or you're just living for the weekends and your, your life is all of these things. It's, it's all of that. And if some of these things are out of balance, it's all going to be out of balance, right? Eventually it's, it's it, the, the wheel will come off the car if you don't get these things figured out. So, so I think it is important to, to figure out all those things. So especially the, especially the dating <laughs> oh and i can just hear some people going oh women and then all the women going oh men anyway <laughs> yeah, are, are there any other parts of this book that we should really dive into and and explore i mean i i like i said i kind of scanned through it and i saw a lot of interesting stuff in it but i don't know if we have time to hit it all is is there one question that you get asked more than anything else that you have the answer to in here hmm I don't know if there's one question I get more than anything else. I mean, I'd, I'd say probably closest to what we what we covered already of the, the the question of of how to get started, right? The the best way to get started. But there there is an interesting question maybe that we, that that's worth worth talking about that I get a lot that that I haven't seen answered very well, which is contract versus salary employment and and whether to choose them and how to compare them. Yeah, let's go into that real quick, and then we'll get to picks. Sure. So one of the things that that I think is is real interesting is to to actually take a look at the calculations because I think most people, when they compare job, even just salary to salary jobs, but ultimately what ends up what you're looking at, regardless of of how 
how cush the the job is with the the benefits they give you, right? I mean, so some jobs sometimes when we're comparing jobs, we're like, oh well, but this one they have a refrigerator in the office, and I can get whatever soda I want anytime. <laughs> and that's like, you know, that's a perk. And uh, that's ultimately, though, what it really comes down to is, and, and even healthcare to some degree is is a perk, if, if you think about it, but it all comes down to money, right? Because if you take the hours that you work divided by the, or, or the, the pay that you receive, the, the, the ultimate compensation divided by the hours you work, that's that's ultimately what what the comparison needs to be. So you've got to take all those numbers into consideration. Like if you take a salary job, usually a salary job is is lower if you just multiply the if you just look at the the hours versus you know the the amount that you're paying being paid per hour. But there's all kinds of benefits and perks in there. And so, but can you take the cash value of those? Can you look at the cash value and say, well, if I was going to pay for healthcare on my own, how much would it cost? If I was going to, you know, buy, you know, it's nice that they have a gym that you get free gym membership, you know, when you work here, or it's nice that they have, uh, you know, free meals that, that you can eat at the cafeteria. But if I were to actually just put a value on that, on what it would cost me to create my own you know, meal plan or sodas as much as I want every day or whatever, you know, it is. And then if you take all those numbers and and crunch them together and then you divide that by the number of hours, because the other thing, too, is like, you know, if you're a contractor, if you're you're get being paid per hour. So if you work 40 hours, you, you get paid for 40 hours. But there's plenty of salary jobs that seem really good. But the expectation is you're going to work 60 hours. And so you got to take that salary and now you got to divide that out by 60 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week. And then, then you can really come up with a, a straight comparison. And that's, that's in my mind, that, that's why I talk about it in the, in the chapter, but I think that's something that a lot of people miss and they don't realize that that's, that's ultimately what you got to evaluate. Like as far as from a monetary standpoint, not to say that different jobs don't have different perks or, or benefits, but if you're just looking at from a compensation standpoint, which is a better deal, there's a there's a lot of factors that you need to uh, consider, and that's I break that down. I kind of have a formula, and I I take all those pieces and, and show you a couple of examples where if you just looked at a surface level, you would have thought that the salary job would have been a way better deal. But when you actually run the numbers, you realize that the the contract job in, in that case that, that I showed that example is is about is is almost twice as good. Nerd. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll leave that as an exercise to the reader. If people want to go pick up the book, what's the best place for them to go? If you go to simpleprogrammer.com forward slash career guide, that will, wherever it's for sale, it will take you there. So I, I'm pretty sure that we'll have a bonus, some kind of bonus content or something if you go through there. But ultimately, we'll be, we'll be selling it off of Amazon and uh, and launching at a at a blowout price, it's going to be ninety nine cents for the Kindle version, just for a limited time, just for the the launch. the The, the goal is to make it the best selling software development book ever, at least on launch day, and to be number one spot on Amazon on launch day. And so, we are uh, aggressively pursuing that. So, yeah, and I talked to uh, or Josh emailed me, you know, to find out when this was coming out in relation to that. And from what he told me, you want to buy it the day after this episode comes out. So go look for it on Wednesday. Uh, this will come out on Tuesday. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're timing this to come out so that it'll actually work out so that you can get that deal right after you hear this episode. All right, well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Have you ever felt like you're falling behind or that the programming world is moving so fast that it's impossible to keep up? Then there's the issue of where to go to make sure you're up to date. The answer is to join a community dedicated to discussing the latest in JavaScript. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if you got JavaScript Jabber all day? Well, you can, kind of. We've created a Slack community for JavaScript Jabber. That means that you can connect with our listeners and guests on a platform you're most likely already using. Plus, we've set up a Keeping Current channel that pulls stories from across the web to help you know what people are talking about. And coming soon, we'll be holding monthly webinars and roundtable video chats to connect with experts in the community and with each other. So come join us at javascriptjabber.com slash slack. Joe, do you have some picks for us? Sure. I went and saw Wonder Woman last night. It was good. Go see it. That's my pick. Easy peasy. 
but it's a DC movie. Are you sure it's good? I know. <laughs> it was actually good. Like, I went with somebody who really, truly loved it. And uh, like he's like, man, I just, it was like the best movie. And I think it got like super high ratings, like the highest superhero movie rating that they've had in like, I can't remember how long, um, six years or something like that, which kind of surprised me. I didn't think it was that great. Um, maybe it's because I just rewatched Rogue One and man, that's a great movie. But that is a great movie. Yeah. It was really enjoyable, totally worth going to see. I took my whole family and we all had a great time. And so that I want to pick that. I think it was a great movie and people should go see it for the first time in a long time. DC deserves some of your money. All right. AJ, what are your picks? So I started reading this book called The Alchemist. Oh, yeah. It's, it's claimed to fame as most translated of of any living author in 70 languages or something. I don't quite know how to describe it other than that if you've ever read Candide, the language of the book seems similar to that to me. And the story seems kind of similar, except from an actual optimistic perspective instead of the pessimistic optimist perspective. Almost done with it. But maybe somebody else can actually describe what it is because I don't know how to describe it other than to say I like it. I would say that it's like it's a bunch of wisdom put out in a story form, right? Like life wisdom. Mm -hmm. That's like as you as you follow this boy's boy's life journey, and and he he gains wisdom in his in his life. I, I really like the book. It's a really good book. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say I, it was allegorical, but the the lessons are actually just right out there. They're not kind of baked into the story, and you kind of glean it from the story. Like they actually talk about the principles. Reminds me a lot of the richest man in Babylon, mm -hmm. in that way. Yep. Yeah, that, I was reminded of that when you guys described it. I have not read that, but I'll have to put that on my list. The the thing that's interesting to me about the book is that all the characters speak very plainly. Like most of the time, as Americans, we don't even know that we're having emotions, much less what they are or how they're influencing what we're deciding. And in the book, the characters are like this is what I'm thinking. And it's because of this feeling. And this is going to be the result of it. If I don't change the way I'm thinking and feeling. And it's, it's like so weird, but good. <laughs> and that's all. Yeah. I thought it was a terrific book myself. I'm going to jump in here with a few picks. I've been getting into artificial intelligence lately. And I feel like, and I've, I've mentioned this on a few shows. I think I had a long spiel on one of the, my JS stories that'll come out probably around the same time. But I really feel like artificial intelligence, augmented reality, and Internet of Things are, are kind of the ways that we're going in the future. And all of these things are going to kind of tie together in various ways. And so I've been getting into AI just to kind of see what's there and, and learn a little bit more about it. And I picked up this book, and so far I'm really enjoying it. And, okay, so don't, don't be too angry, audience. It's a Python book. It's artificial intelligence in Python. But it is terrific, and I'm really, I'm really getting into it. So I'm getting excited about that. I think I mentioned on that MyJS story episode that I might actually be interested enough to start an AI podcast. But we'll have to see. If you're interested in me doing that, email me and let me know, or tweet at me and say, "Dude, do an AI podcast." But yeah, I'm really, I'm really getting into that, and uh, just looking for opportunities to kind of learn all of the different things that go into it. So uh, I'm gonna pick that book. John, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, so I, I was trying to, I was trying to decide what to pick. I, I, I think I'm going to pick first of all that algorithms to live by book for a couple of reasons. One, because it's it relevant to our conversation. I just finished listening to that, and and I, it's always I always consider a book to be good if it's a book I didn't want to like but I liked, and I didn't want to like this book. In fact, I resisted reading this book for a long time. Partially because I've been seeing it show up on the number one spot on Audible and, you know, on, on the charts when I'm looking at my book and I'm like, man, why is that book doing so good? You know, that whole jealousy <laughs> thing. But, so I'm like, I, I bet this book sucks. And then I, I got the book on a deal and I was like, wow, this book is actually really good. It's really well written. It's really interesting. Like there's like, you know, so so that that tells me and anytime a book like overcomes my bias where I, I'm biased against it and I just can't 
form the arguments against it. It just you know blasts anything that 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 I I, I had uh, had tried to accuse it of. Then it, it must be good. So it was it was entertaining, very very interesting, and, and very applicable. I, I took a lot of notes for for things that I'm gonna gonna apply to my own life. Uh, and then the other you know the other thing I think I'd I'd pick is actually the the Apple AirPods. Uh, another thing I didn't really want to like because I think they're kind of weird looking and I, you know, just didn't seem like it <laughs> made a lot of sense. But uh, I actually had someone on my podcast, Noah Kagan, who uh, just sent me them as a gift. I didn't I didn't, I didn't buy them. And um, yeah, after interviewing him and so I tried them out and I've been you know, I'm a big runner and I've been running with them. And they're just it's just the ability to be able to pause the music when you pull them out of your ears and just how how well that they work i think they're pretty cool so yeah you need to manifest up me a pair yeah <laughs> and if you want to know what we're talking about go to the entreprogrammers podcast and listen a couple weeks ago oh yeah or yeah. i guess a month or so ago now <laughs> this comes yeah, out but yeah. yeah about a month all right john if people want to see what you're up to what you're talking about you know some of the things you're doing these days what are the best places to do that no, I used to say simpleprogrammer.com, but really it's to go to youtube.com forward slash simpleprogrammer because that's where the the majority of my my content comes out, you know, and yeah, that's that's probably the best place to find my my crazy videos. I do two videos a day about so. All right. Well we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Thanks for coming, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. All right. We will talk to everyone next week. Peace out. Adios. Yo, yo, yo. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.